0: It's time for the Plan Strong Financial Forum, your weekly hot topic update from a leading Boston area investment advisor. It's Smart Investing Simplified. Now, here's your host, Ken Carberry, with the president of Plan Strong Investment Management, Paul Parsons. And welcome to the Plant Strong
1: Financial Forum. I'm your host, Attorney Ken Carberry, along with Financial Advisor Paul
2: Parsons. Happy Easter weekend, Paul. Well, it's Easter weekend and it's also Patriots Day weekend, right? right. Big day, big day. A lot of people getting ready for a run on Monday. Sure. I think the weather's supposed to be okay, isn't it? Yeah, it's good for runners at least. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. You're not running this year, are you? I am not. I can't. I haven't been able to run a marathon yeah. since 2008. Did you run Boston in 2008? I did not run Boston in 2008. Oh. I actually ran, what did I do in 2008? It was my last one, and I was down in South Carolina. Oh, well, wow. yeah. sounds like a nice place to run. It was, well, it was in the wintertime, mm. and it was perfectly flat.
1: Oh, wow, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, That's one way to do it. My daughter's running the Providence Marathon, so I sent her a lecture. And that's, that's hilly. Yeah, it's very your daughter's in really good shape yes, she's a real and runner, she's yeah. young oh both of those things we are not we are not <laughs> good shape exactly. or young or real runner <laughs> right, strike exactly. three okay for three there you go but here's what we do have what information on on the investments and finances and the economy
2: and even some fun topics Ooh. also okay. okay so but before we get to the fun topics yeah. let's get to the meat of the batting order here and talk about what we're going to talk about today okay. okay what's okay? Coming up? so first of all got to talk about the biggest business story of the week, and that was the latest inflation.
1: Inflation again.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I know, I know, (laughs) I know, I get it. Um, But the latest inflation measures were... Substantial mm-hmm. uh, and you can't dodge them. So you got to talk about them at least to understand what they mean. Mm-hmm. Then, what I want to do is talk a little bit about what did bonds do in reaction to this latest uh, inflation information. You know what's interesting? Mm. The market is a forward looking beast. And you know what? The market guessed right. Okay. Okay. All so right. the answer is the market didn't do that much All as right. a result of this. Point. All but right. then I want to talk about something that I think people are finally really. Understanding, uh, they're getting their Q1 statements from their financial reports, sure. probably in the mail, mm-hmm. or certainly looking at them online. And they're saying, "Well, I get that stocks were down, but how did I how did I lose money in bonds? That's mm-hmm. never happened before, yeah. or it rarely has happened before, right?" And so, not only were bonds down, but they were down, you know, essentially as much as stocks. during the same period of time that's not common is it Uh, it's very uncommon yeah okay and so the question on the table then is should investors abandon bonds okay there we go subject you know you have to admit there are plenty of people looking around right now saying i'm not sure about these stocks Mm -hmm. you know why wouldn't you have the exact same reaction or thoughts about your bond portfolio right right so we'll talk about that and then Obviously, the other big story of the week that, frankly, is much more uh, colorful (laughs) uh, is the fact that Elon Musk uh, extended an offer to buy Twitter, to take them private. right? right. Uh, And really a fascinating uh, story there. We'll get into what that means. If you're a Twitter shareholder, you'll probably want to listen in on this, Mm -hmm. including what we think the probability is of that transaction occurring. Uh, And then I had another topic, which was Really, what are the biggest headwinds right now that may lead us uh, towards recession? Because mm-hmm. the R-word is getting mentioned more and more. Have you right. noticed that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we have to talk about what are the, the biggest reasons why people may be talking about the R-word. Okay? okay? And then finally, I do want to do a market update to right. tell people kind of where the market is. And also, finally, I want to cover some of this government data that we've gotten. Because here's the most important part, Kenny. If we were going into a situation, as we are now, where the Fed is talking about raising rates substantially... Did, if you do that and the economy's not in good shape, that's mm-hmm. that's not going to end well, right? okay? Mm-hmm. But if the economy's in good shape, the economy can actually endure um, a decent amount of, if you will, rate normalization. Without necessarily going into recession, right? So it is incredibly important to have a good assessment of what's the state of the economy today. Because if it isn't good, you don't want the Fed raising rates a lot right now. Because if you do, if they do, it, it I can tell you that would not end well.
1: Okay. All right. Well, then we've got to start with the, the biggest story of the week,
2: Paul, which That's is Scotty Scheffler won the Masters. <laughs> well, that was that was one a. Oh, oh, but sure, let's go there. Oh, come on, you have to go there because yeah. can I tell you mm-hmm. how many times have we seen sporting events where you know somebody uh, halftime somewhere has to give you a, a political message, uh, a social message, something, and all they did at the end of the Masters was make you feel good. <laughs> You're and right. I, I You're have right. to tell you, I. I said to my family afterwards i said that was the most pleasant viewing experience i've had for so long mm-hmm. because no one tried to tell me something right. they we got to watch a young man 25 year old guy right yeah. his first win on the pga tour <laughs> wow. was 40 some days beforehand mm-hmm. he walks into augusta national which by the way talk about local knowledge that that is just an incredible golf course and the guy goes in and he kills it. And, yep. and he, not only that, he was the 54-hole uh, uh, leader. Right, yeah. And he didn't fold. No. Nope. He actually got better on the last day. So, I mean, really just an astounding performance by a young man and also a humble young man. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of reminded me... It's not dissimilar to when Jordan Spieth won, right? You know, again, kind of a—he was a young guy. He's a family guy. He's just doing the best he can. Mm -hmm. You know, people said to him afterwards, "Well, did you expect to do this?" And he said, "No." You know, he said, (laughs) "I, you know, I just expected to try to play my best, and Mm -hmm. you know, I hoped that things would go well, but I I had, you know, frankly, I never saw myself getting to this at this point in my career, and I mean, just the pure humility of the guy was just refreshing. Sure, you know, oh, absolutely. You, you look yep. at something like that and you compare it to I don't know, like LeBron. And you know, these guys, you know, they know they're incredible. They they know they're the best in the world, but it was just so refreshing to not have somebody strut around mm-hmm. while they were the best in the world. Good and point. he was truly yeah. the best in the world. He right. was number 1 in the world going into the tournament and he won the tournament. I mean, yeah. that is that's pretty You know, refreshing to me. I've used that word too many times, but I got to tell you, I enjoyed every bit of it, and it was great.
1: It was also good to see Tiger again. Oh, (laughs) that was that
2: was was inspirational. How about the crowds? Yeah, wow. They they were so appreciative of him. You know, making the effort that he made, Mm -hmm. it it really does give you tingles. You know, I mean, it's just a. a, It it, there was something very magical about the the way that that thing came together. That the weather came together at the end. It was tough during the week, (laughs) but and. Tiger really, you know, did everything he could to put on a good show. Ultimately, it showed that he'd just been away from the game and, mm-hmm. and away from competition. But, boy, the guy did fantastic. I think he exceeded his own expectations. Most likely, you know? yeah. But a good event, absolutely. Great yeah, event, yeah, you know. Nice, yeah. And like I said, a feel-good event. How nice was that?
1: It was great, but yeah. what's not so nice are, the, are those inflation numbers. <laughs> Sorry, but I had to.
2: You, well, you do. <laughs> right. um, and, and that was the biggest business story of the week, which yeah. is probably why I was so drawn to watching the match masters. Um, so, so let me talk about the fact that two of the most important measures of inflation were actually reported this week. Mm-hmm. First, on Tuesday, uh, the Consumer Price Index, CPI, was reported from March, and headline and core readings were at their highest levels in 40 years, 4-0. That's a okay? long time. Anyways, yeah. uh, headline CPI, which includes you know food and energy and everything, was up 8.5% year over year Mm -hmm. in March compared to 7.9% in February. So think of it this way, guys. It's not only incredibly high, it's accelerating. Yeah, it's still okay? going up. That's, right. Yeah. That's not good. Right. At the core level, see, well, oh, that's food and energy. Okay. Mm. you know, that's the, the Putin price increase, right? No. Uh, at the core level, which excludes food and energy, uh, inflation was up 6.5% year over year in March versus 6.4% in February. Um, and, and by the way, these numbers, these were the sixth straight month of headline inflation above 6%. Essentially, more than three times the Fed target of 2%, okay? Right. I mean, we are way beyond. Um, and if, if you look at what were the biggest causes, well, certainly fuel, oil, gasoline, airline fares, they were all up double digits versus the prior month, Wow. Okay? Yeah. I mean, that's inflation. Uh, and at the same time, we did get some good news, and that was in auto prices. They actually decelerated sharply month over month, but they were still up very big year over year. Uh, the only good news is that the largest component of CPI, as you know from one of our prior shows, sure. representing 42% of CPI, mm. is housing. Right. And it was up only 5% year okay. over year. Mm-hmm. Okay? The bad news is that trans- transportation, and food, the mm. other, the next two in line, right, were both up big. So it's no wonder why inflation numbers were as high as they were on the CPI side. Right. What about the producer price index? Well, the, the prices that suppliers pay were also up big. In fact, at the headline level, PPI was up 11.2% year over year in March. 11? Uh-huh. <laughs> Compared to 10.3% yeah. in February. Wow. And even excluding food and energy, in other words, at the core level, input prices were up 9.2% in March versus 8.7% in February. And this was the fourth straight month of double-digit increases for those. So, you know, just not a very good story. Uh, Obviously, Inflation continues to be caused by strong demand, and that's fueled by this government stimulus that we had for a Mm -hmm. long time, as well as supply chain disruptions that were made even worse by Chinese lockdowns, and then, of course, rising energy and food prices caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
1: The Fed is paying attention to this, though, Paul?
2: Well, yeah. Uh, the Fed governor, and by the way, soon-to-be-named vice chairperson uh, Lael Brainard, said that inflation was the, quote-unquote, top priority of the Fed and that the central bank is going to raise rates quickly to reduce inflation. She also expressed confidence that the economy was strong enough to absorb rate increases without Mm. going into recession. Now, analysts believe that the Fed will raise rates by half a percent at the next Fed meeting on May 3rd through 4th. They also expect the Fed to announce plans to reduce that $9 trillion balance sheet that Mm. was created by quantitative easing. We're now going to start quantitative Tightening uh, at the May, and they're going to announce what the specifics are of that at the May meeting. And then they're going to actually start that tightening probably in June, Ken.
1: Paul, when we come back, I'm going to ask you specifically what the Fed is going to do to contain inflation. And then we'll talk about what bond interest rates did in reaction to those inflation numbers. When we return, it's a plan strong financial
2: form. Most financial advisors you hear on the radio today are really insurance salespeople selling annuities. You You know the ads. They use catchphrases that promise income for life and market-like returns while never losing a penny. So what are they not telling you? Many annuities generate bond-like returns in spite of promises for much more, and they can be one of the worst investments in times of inflation. I'm Paul Parsons, President of Plan Strong Investment Management. Before locking your retirement money into an annuity, call my office for a consult. We'll tell you both sides of the story. And we'll design an investment solution we think is in your best interest. Call 888 972 7526. That's 888 972 PLAN. Or go to planstrong.com. Securities and advisory services
1: offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor, 980 Washington Street, Dedham,
2: Mass. Investors got lucky in 2021. They miraculously dodged massive new taxes and benefited when exorbitant COVID relief payments. Propped up the prices of everything, including investments. While future tax hikes and reckless new social spending programs remain risks, surging inflation is the real problem now. So what worked for investors last year may hurt investors this year. I'm Paul Parsons, President of Plan Strong Investment Management. We've designed an investment strategy precisely for this situation. Inflation is here. Call my office for help. 888 972 7526. 888 972 PLAN. Or visit planstrong.com.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor, 980 Washington
0: Street, Dedham, Mass. zero for your financial news and economic commentary this is the plan strong financial forum with paul parsons president of plan strong investment management and hey, welcome back to the Plant Strong Financial Forum. I'm your host, Attorney Ken Carberry,
1: along with financial advisor Paul Parsons, and of course, the subject is inflation, Paul.
2: And no place to hide on that one, Ken. <laughs> That's for I mean, sure. Everybody's incredibly aware of it. You, you, you know, all you have to do is go to the grocery store, go to the yeah. gas station, and, you mm. know, almost anything, and it's really quite stunning how much prices have gone up. And it's a lot of it's because of just an immense amount of demand for products and services. Thank you uh, to all the stimulus that we got, mm-hmm. as well as supply chain problems. Right, you know right. those those things by themselves will drive up demand and decrease supply, and that's a that's a great formula or a not so good good formula for inflation. And that's where we are. So, what does the Fed have planned? Well, you're getting right into business, and yeah. I would I can't, but I'm happy to answer that question. Okay, but then okay. I want to talk about something fun. So hold on. <laughs> First, right. what's the Fed doing? Yeah. Well. First of all, the, the, price, uh, the price inflation that most consumers are feeling, first of all, is being recognized by the Fed, okay? And for a long time, mm. they said, oh, it's transitory, it's transitory, it's transitory, right? So they, they get it. Now they also have said, hey, we're going with a two-pronged approach, right, to mm-hmm. contain it. Right. First, um, what they're doing is they're going to raise overnight rates. The second thing they're going to do is quantitative tightening, Okay. It's right. essentially a double whammy, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and and what I wanted to explain to our listeners is the degree to which the Fed is planning on tightening is really I hate this word, but incredibly accurate, unprecedented. Let's try it another way. Never tried before. Really? Yes. Okay, that okay? That, works. that explains so, it. Yeah. So this is why you should be very cautious as an investor right now. The the only other time that the U.S. has tried to both raise short-term rates while at the same time decreasing the supply of longer-term bonds was in 2018 and 2019, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, At that time, they raised short rates by 1%, okay? Mm -hmm. And they decreased the supply of longer-term bonds by, call it, $30 billion per month. So what are we talking about doing this time? Well, the Fed is, has uh, said we're gonna, we are going to raise rates by two percent, not one percent, two percent, and we're going to do it in, an, in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. and at the same time we're going to do quantitative tightening. In other words, we're, we're going to essentially either sell bonds back into the market or let bonds mature that are coming up and not buy them again, okay? And to the tune of $65 billion a month, okay? So let me repeat that. Short <laughs> yeah. rates in, in 2018, 2019 went up 1%. This time, we're going up 2% in less than a year. Secondly, quantitative tightening. Back then, they they uh they did 30 billion a month at the max mm. and they got up to that level over a very long period of time this time 65 billion a month start you know essentially starting probably in june okay, wow. okay. all right so uh, you know make no mistake about it, this is uncharted waters and and investors really should beware. The the Fed is going in here because they recognize they have substantially higher higher inflation now than we did in Mm 2018-2019, right? Right. But, you know, this is a double whammy and it's a substantial double whammy and it's being implemented frankly quite abruptly. Uh, And if there's one thing that you hope to do is have this thing called a soft landing. Hmm. And doing things abruptly doesn't feel like it's going to lead to a soft landing. Um, and so I have to tell you, there is concern uh, that, that it'll be too much, too fast, uh, without recognizing that, geez, we, we have to really take it easy here. The other side of that coin is we're late. We are Mm. definitely late here. The Fed is late doing this tightening, and they're recognizing it, and they have to address it, and they have to get serious about it. They're putting on their big boy pants Mm -hmm. right now. Playing a little catch-up? Yes, Mm -hmm. and so the the, the only concern is, you know, is it too much, too fast? How much is it gonna shock the system? Uh, As I said, the market's already built all this in. Okay, so now what you have to do is say to yourself, Two things. One, are they going to have to accelerate it even more Uh uh, to get things under control? Because if they do, that would further uh, be a a downdraft on the market. Okay? Mm -hmm. Second thing that you have to keep in mind is the positive side. Economy's in good shape. Remember? We st- said yeah. that at the beginning of the show. Right, With the economy in good shape, it's going to be a lot harder for them to mistake, make a mistake, especially in the early days of this, uh, and completely knock uh, the legs out from under this market. Because the market and this economy is very, very good right now. Mm-hmm. If it was a more fragile economy, I'd be much more nervous about this uh, than, uh, than I am because of the strength of the economy. So yeah. when you say too much, too fast,
1: and, and investors should beware what do we have to be aware of? What, what might happen?
2: Well, what might happen is the Fed raises rates. They say, oh, boy, it didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation still too high. So they raise them more. They raise them more. They raise them more. Okay. And what does that do? At some point, uh, inflation gets under control. But if you do it too fast, you may overshoot. And so what would happen? economy goes into recession Uh oh yeah you did your job guess what Mm -hmm. inflation's under control because you know what people aren't hiring anymore demand has gone away Mm -hmm. okay so that's what they worry about the most
1: so let's talk about then bonds paul because uh, can
2: we do the fun topic first oh sure come on i i I played your game but we we, we do have to talk about you know I, i don't know have you been watching ozark at all I'm a season behind on Ozark, Paul. So oh, don't give it away. I'm not going to give it away, <laughs> but I have compl- my wife and I have completely caught up. Oh, look at that! And wow. can I tell you something? Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> okay. We watch we watch the end of part one of season four. Mm-hmm. Part two comes out at the end of this month. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I think it's I've forgotten how many episodes we watched. Maybe five or six episodes that made up part one. Mm-hmm. And at the end of part one. Fantastic, uh, absolutely okay. fantastic. That's yeah, okay. all I can tell you. It's <laughs> worth watching every episode. Right. And my wife and I were on the edge of our seats the other night. We saw the end of it. And we were like, "Oh my goodness, did you just see that?" Wow. So it was really good. All right. Okay, can I just say, Wyatt, he he chose poorly. <laughs> Okay, that's all I'm going to say. That's right. my hint. All right, that's, okay. that's a good Okay, hint. so now let's go back to, want to talk about how bonds have done yeah. in all, you know, now that we've had this situation with, right. uh, with in, uh, inflation and what the inflation readings were this mm-hmm. past week, which were, you know, double digits, essentially, right. Right? right? So here's what I was saying to you earlier, though. An awful lot of this is baked in. Uh A lot of this is priced into the market. Okay. And in fact, you know, if you look at what happened to interest rates this week after we got these readings, the answer is not much. Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Isn't that fascinating? It really is. But it tells you that the market knew that inflation was way too high mm-hmm. and that the Fed was going to have to do some of the things they've been talking about doing. And so as a result, it didn't really make a big impact to bond yields this week. In fact, short rates, they were mixed. The, the, the three-month U.S. Treasury yield increased increased a little bit from 0.7 to 0.76 percent. The two-year Treasury yield decreased from 2.5 to 2.45 percent. Not much change there. And the longer end of the curve, uh, the 10-year U.S. Treasury slightly increased from 2.72 to 2.82 percent. So, you know, not big changes this week. These are big changes from the beginning of the year. sure, And they're even big changes from the beginning of the month. Mm. But they are not big changes from what the market was expecting over the last, you know, week or so. So what does that indicate? Well, the, the bond market believes that rates are going up in the short term. Mm -hmm. They absolutely believe that. They also believe that there's going to be quantitative tightening. And finally, it seems to be saying that it doesn't expect the economy to go into recession from the rate hikes because longer rates are still higher than shorter rates. Mm -hmm. Remember how we talked about that yield curve version thing, right? So the answer is, so far, they're hopeful and they're betting with their money that the the Fed will be able to uh, implement, engineer a soft landing. Well, and as you mentioned at the beginning
1: of the program, bonds have lost more than stocks year to date. So should investors abandon their bonds?
2: Well, so you're right first of all. Uh US stocks as represented by the S&P 500 are down about 7% year to date, while high quality US bonds as represented by the US Aggregate Bond Index are down about 8%. Oh, okay? Yeah. Now, if you don't think that's a big number, think this way. That's the worst return since at least 1980. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, for bonds. Uh, so let's just say that investors are unused to big negative returns with high-quality bonds. Uh, and by the way, in that time frame, since 1980 mm-hmm. till today, mm-hmm. the worst bonds had done in a one-calendar year was be down three percent in 1994. Mm this year to date, down 8%. I mean, this is a monumental uh, loss for bonds compared to anything that most investors have seen in their investing lifetime because of the bond bull market of the last 40 years, Mm -hmm. okay?
1: Right, so, and with stocks obviously also going down, people would tend to run to bonds.
2: That's right. So
1: now what do we do?
2: Well, so first of all, one of the biggest reasons that people hold bonds uh, other than to get income from them, has been to diversify risk. Uh, you know, s- typically when stocks go down, uh, you know, think of it as risk off. What do investors do? They shift their money to safe havens with high-quality bonds being at the top of the list, right? And that usually drives up the price of bonds, not drives it down. But the current environment where interest rates are low, and inflation is high, means that rates will likely need to go up. And that hurts existing bonds. Mm-hmm. It also hurts the value of stocks. So said another way, bonds offer poor diversification at rock-bottom yields, like where we have been at the start of this. So hmm. as yields rise, though, the risk in bonds falls and their diversification benefits increase. And so I put together some of the areas of the bond market that may be more appealing uh, to investors at this point, Ken.
1: Okay. Paul, when we come back, I'll ask you specifically what parts of the bond market might be more attractive. That's when we return. It's the Plan Strong Financial Forum.
2: This is Paul Parsons, president of Plan Strong Investment Management, and you're listening to the Plan Strong Financial Forum. If you like what you hear on our show and want me to take a look at your investments and retirement plan, call my office at 888-972-7526. 888-972-7526. That's 888-972-PLAN.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor.
0: Finally, a radio show that is not trying to sell you insurance or annuities. This is the Plan Strong Financial Forum with Paul Parsons, president of Plan Strong Investment Management.
1: And welcome back to the Plan Strong Financial Forum. I'm your host, Attorney Ken Carberry, along with financial advisor Paul Parsons. And Paul, I know you've been traveling a lot lately, and uh, so you probably noticed when uh, when the government extended the travel mask mandate.
2: I wish we were on TV right now so you could see me <laughs> shaking my head. Yeah, um, that's true. I don't know. I'm not sure I get it. I, it you know, you get on the, the brand-new JetBlue airplanes, mm-hmm. and they talk about the fact that all the air in the entire cabin has been uh, cleansed in the last, you know, two seconds or right. left. Yeah. I'm j- joking. Yeah. It's like two minutes, three mm-hmm. minutes or mm-hmm. something. Probably the safest air in the free world, and that's where you're supposed to wear a... A mask. Um, I don't know. And I, it can be I, tough on a long flight, no doubt. Well, yeah. you know what? That's it's not just the flight; it's the time you're at, you know, in the airport sure. waiting for the flight, right, and right. it's you know mm-hmm. not only going to the flight but then leaving the flight mm-hmm. then it's getting your bags and then it's right, finally right, getting out and it's right. you know 6 hours or something it's it's a long time to ask people to wear a mask and apparently our elected officials don't worry about that too mm-hmm. much uh but i will tell you that uh, i'm hopeful that uh, come this this next couple of weeks mm-hmm. perhaps they will come to their senses i know a whole bunch of the ceos of the airlines wrote to them uh, uh, to the cdc and right. others and said right, hey right. guys enough <laughs> You know, so hopefully the message will get through. I, I know they're worried about this latest version of Omicron, but, you know, come on. At, at some point, you, you got to just kind of get back to normal. Hopefully we will soon, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: Yes, we will. Yes. So let's get back to the bond market, okay. Paul. So you were uh, we were talking about the fact that uh, as uh, yields rise, the risk of bonds fall. That's right. Uh, but you did mention that their diversification benefits increase. Yes. So, so
2: there are some areas of the bond market where, you think they may be appealing. It's right. So when when bond yields are very close to zero, Ken, and rates are going up. They lose value. Mm-hmm. But once they get up to a certain point, if rates go up even just a little bit more, it doesn't hurt them as much. Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now that rates have gone up, I'd say shorter maturity bonds can generate some return for investors while not locking them into longer periods, right. Right? right? Um so you know, even even if rates go up from here, so say you have a two year or a one year bond, it pays you two percent, okay? Mm-hmm. And say rates go up up to 3% short rates go up to 3% right you can still hold that bond to maturity get paid your 2%, and get your principal back, right? right? Not too bad. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, the only time you would take a loss on that is if you decided to sell that bond right. uh, sometime before its maturity mm-hmm. uh, in a rising interest rate environment. And how's that 2% sound? Well, to me it sounds a lot better than 0%, which <laughs> yeah. is what you're going to make on cash. Right. Good right? point. Yeah. And so I think there there is an argument to be made now uh, to go to to, to to at least consider short-term, high-quality bonds Mm -hmm. because the the rates are appreciably different than zero, different than what cash has been paying, and Mm -hmm. certainly different than what, you know, remember how sticky, for example, banks are in getting that rate up. Mm -hmm. Once rates start to come up, those those rates don't come up real fast in your bank account, right? Right. So, uh, you know, that's why you may want to (laughs) look at something like this. Um, And by the way, high quality corporate bonds are similar to treasuries, Mm -hmm. um, except they Actually, pay a little bit extra. Okay. Uh, so maybe another 0. 0.25 to 0.5 percent uh, per year uh, of interest for say a ten-year bond. So you know, if you want to uh, maybe add just a little bit of credit risk to it, and you want to hold the bond to maturity, essentially mm-hmm. you're locking in that return okay? Right. So again, it, it, when you're locking in zero, that doesn't sound appealing. When you're locking in two or three percent, well, now you may be willing to do it, and at least you're going to get paid something compared to nothing. So it, it's more alluring, certainly, than it was back in the December-January time frame. Another place where you can go is if you think inflation will run at more than three mm-hmm. percent per year over the next 10 years, you may want to consider what are called Tips or Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Tell us a little bit more about tips. Paul. Well, the whole idea there is, uh, you you will be compensated for uh, at an interest rate that essentially, if the interest rates go up more than they were expected to at the time you bought them, mm-hmm. you'll get extra. Okay. okay? Yeah. So it's a nice little extra. Um, on the other hand, it, it's you know it's a government security, and the whole point here is, if you think that what is being estimated for inflation is way under right now, okay? And you think, oh, my gosh, no, no, no. Inflation is going to be a lot more than 3% a year for the next 10 years. Then you may want to look at tips because Mm -hmm. if you really do believe that and inflation actually does come in at 4 or 5%, you're going to make some extra money buying a tip. Okay. okay. Those are a few ideas anymore? Yeah. Um, while we're talking about U.S. government bonds, we should also mention Series I U.S. savings bonds. Really? Well, these things have have gotten an incredible amount of interest, Kenny, because their rates are pegged to the Consumer Price Index. Uh-huh. Okay? Right. They currently offer a 7% plus Annual rate for the first six months. Mm -hmm. Not bad, right? Not bad at all. Uh, But there are a few limitations. First of all, individuals are limited to only $10,000 per year in purchases. Mm -hmm. Okay. Secondly, they have an initial term of 20 years. So this isn't something you want to buy and say, oh, you know, I want to get out of that now. Because the third limitation is they can't be bought or sold on a secondary market. What Mm -hmm. that means is they're illiquid. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you want, want to invest $10,000 in a year mm-hmm. uh, for something that will mature 20 years from now, and you want it to be tied to the consumer price index, right. this is a very nice way to do it. And i got to tell you, there's an immense amount of interest in this, but it's limited because it's limited to $10,000 per sure. person per yeah. year. And okay.
1: Maybe for a grandchild or
2: something. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. What else? Well, and then municipal bonds, they're, they're paying rates actually pretty similar to like duration Treasuries, really? yeah. So it, think of it this way, Ken. If you've got a uh, if you've got a five year U.S. Treasury paying mm-hmm. a couple of percent, yeah. have a five year muni paying two percent. Hmm. Okay, right. and for those who are you know in top tax brackets. That essentially equates uh, to, a say, a 3 to 5% pre-tax yield. That's not bad. Not bad at okay. All. Right. Um, and if you really want to control your destiny, what you can do is buy individual municipal bonds so you can lock in that specific return again, as opposed to participating in a fund or an ETF that has to manage redemptions. Again. Sure. So, right. uh, you know, quality and duration are two factors that you should c- take into account when you're looking at municipal bonds, because You know, unlike treasuries where all you care about is is term there because Credit Mm -hmm. quality—it's the best, right? right? Sure. Uh, The only thing you have to worry about with the treasury is—is how long you want to go out with a municipal bond. It's not only how long do you want to go out, but it's also how good is the credit quality. For example, you know, is it a a development authority that may go under Mm. uh, compared, you know, Orange County? Think right Right. compared to a a municipal security that has you know incredible uh, credit worthiness associated with it. So there's a little more to it when buy a muni. But in the end, make no mistake, this bond bull market and the fantastic returns of the almost 40 years is over now. Uh, and that's because bond years got all the way down to zero. But having said that, yields are have inched up a bit now, higher than zero, and holding some less interest rate sensitive bonds, like short-term bonds, mm-hmm. may be productive, certainly compared to some alternatives, like just cash. Right, right.
1: Okay. T- times are changing, Paul. That's a fact. Another big story that we have to at least start on here,
2: sure. uh, Elon Musk. <laughs> well, this one that was a fun one. Yeah. Um, Musk made a bid uh, to take Twitter private this week, and I want to give you kind of the backstory on this. Okay, account. yeah. So two weeks ago, Musk became Twitter's largest shareholder. He bought a 9% stake in the company, valued at around $3 billion. And on the news, Twitter's share price went 30% higher, okay? (laughs) And that was certainly welcome news to those shareholders who have seen Twitter stock really do poorly. It's declined from a price of $75 a share in March of 2021 uh, to a low of $33 in early March of this year. Uh, With must purchase of the 9% position, the stock price actually recovered to about 50 bucks a share, Uh okay? okay? So a few days later... Twitter said, hey, we're going to appoint Musk to the board, but Musk eventually declined the board seat, likely because it would restrict his influence on the company and his ability to take control. He would have been limited to 15 percent max ownership right. as a yeah. board member.
1: Now, that's something okay? I was unaware of, Paul, but yeah. that's that's kind of sneaky. It, well,
2: yeah, but <laughs> he's Musk, pretty smart. He's not that
1: dumb, <laughs> right. He's not. Uh...
2: And then. Musk went on a tweet storm after declining the board, uh-huh. and he had numerous <laughs> critiques of Twitter, which are always, if not, if you're not the pe- person being critiqued, it's always entertaining, <laughs> of right? Of course, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and many, by the way, many of those tweets have been deleted since then. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, he suggested that Twitter was dying since most of the top accounts rarely, if ever, Post. Really? Yeah, think about that. Wow. And he mentioned several well known people mm. that haven't posted in months and months. He suggested Twitter paid users should be allowed a no ad platform, and that would be a major business model change, Mm -hmm. uh, but one that would reduce corporate influence. Uh, Of course, in this model, you would need to substantially increase the Twitter Blue subscription cost, which is only three bucks a month today. Really? Okay. Okay, Uh, He also conducted a poll on whether the company should turn its San Francisco headquarters into a homeless shelter, which, you know, you just have to say, okay, and, and by the way, some of the Twitter people... Didn't think that was entertaining. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Those in the San Francisco area, for mm. one. And then finally, and and I, I, let's just leave this where it is. He conducted another poll on whether Twitter should drop the W from its name.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so, it really got along, I, hmm. You
2: know, I don't know, but I, <laughs> and so it really makes you wonder: Is the guy just messing with them? Right. 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 Uh, and and so then. You get through all of that, all yeah. those tweets, all this, <laughs> some of it racy, some of it like incendiary, just all kinds of stuff. Then on this week, this Wednesday, he made a takeover offer to buy the entire company, take them private, saying he'd have to take the company private to unlock its potential.
1: Paul, when we come back, I'm going to ask you, what is Elon Musk's game here in regards to Twitter? That's when we return. It's the Plan Strong Financial Forum.
2: Most financial advisors you hear on the radio today are really insurance salespeople selling annuities. You know the ads. They use catchphrases that promise income for life and market-like returns while never losing a penny. So what are they not telling you? Many annuities generate bond-like returns in spite of promises for much more. And they can be one of the worst investments in times of inflation. I'm Paul Parsons, president of Plan Strong Investment Management. Before locking your retirement money into an annuity, call my office for a consult. We'll tell you both sides of the story. And we'll design an investment solution we think is in your best interest. Call 888 972 7526. That's 888 972 PLAN or go to planstrong.com.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor, 980 Washington Street, Dedham, Mass.
2: Investors got lucky in 2021. They miraculously dodged massive new taxes and benefited when exorbitant COVID relief payments propped up the prices of everything, including investments. While future tax hikes and reckless new social spending programs remain risks, surging inflation is the real problem now. So what worked for investors last year may hurt investors this year. I'm Paul Parsons, President of Plan Strong Investment Management. We've designed an investment strategy precisely for this situation. Inflation is here. Call my office for help 888 972 7526, 888 972 PLAN, or visit planstrong.com.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor, 980 Washington Street, Data,
0: Mass. The Plan Strong broadcast studios at the epicenter of capitalism. This is the Plan Strong Financial Forum with Paul Parsons, president of Plan Strong Investment Management. And welcome back to the Plan Strong Financial
1: Forum. I'm your host, Attorney Ken Carberry, along with financial advisor Paul Parsons. And of course, Paul, as we talk about what's going on in the United States and in the world financially, uh, the war in Ukraine, of course, looms large. Sure and uh, we've yeah. got an additional. Uh, words from from Putin this
2: week, which didn't look very promising. No, um, actually, Putin said peace talks have reached a, quote, dead end. Mm. But you know what, Kenny that's not surprising yeah if you t- think about what we talked about maybe a month ago less than a month ago when, mm-hmm. when Putin first made his his run into the country and we were listening to the uh, the different military and and uh, services view of Putin one thing they said about the guy was don't believe a word he says. <laughs> Oh, the only thing you can trust are his actions. Uh. And so when there's been all this hopeful talk about, and I, I hate to be negative like this, mm-hmm. but all this hopeful talk about, oh, well, they're, they're having peace talks and maybe there's a way that they can negotiate a peace here. and all. That. No, mm-hmm. he, he's going to negotiate a peace when he has what he wants. And, and that's what people have said, you know, when this whole thing started. And it's exactly what's playing out right now. Guess what? These talks have reached a dead end, right. you know, and and he's resetting, and he's going to keep doing what he wants to do till he gets what he wants. So I mean, he's a he's a bad adversary, mm-hmm. and this is going to this is going to not be not be resolved quickly. That's for sure,
1: right? No, we, and we can tell that now. It seems like it's been going on much longer than folks originally thought it would. All right, Paul, let's move back to our Elon Musk story on we, a
2: on a more colorful, <laughs> yes, note. definitely yes. more
1: colorful. And uh, so we're we're wondering what the game is that elon musk
2: is playing is he really planning on buying all of twitter what do you think well that's that's the question i mean he made this best and final offer to buy twitter at 54 bucks a share and and some analysts considered that lowball. uh it represents only an 18 percent premium to the pre-offer share price of 46 bucks and it's 30 percent below the stock's level a year ago mm-hmm. um, it's unlikely the offer is going to be accepted and and the stock price on the day of the offer supports that thesis the price just didn't move at all, hmm. okay. So many believe uh, Musk's motivations are to actually influence Twitter's policies, which he is often criticized as too restrictive and, and especially too restrictive on conservatives. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, M- Musk is a huge proponent of free speech, uh, but Twitter has a history of moderating site content and suspending users almost always conservatives, including Trump. The president, the, the, literally the sitting president of the United States in 2021. Right. Um, and, and it could be, on the other hand, it could be as simple as it's all about the Benjamins <laughs> to, to Musk. And right. the reason I say that is Twitter stock has been a real disappointment since going public in 2013. It's roughly flat since it began trading that year. Uh, and Facebook, on the other hand, is up four and a half times. Tesla's up 40 times over hmm. the same period. Uh, and also, you know, you've got other very, very important investors, like Mark Cuban, for example, that have suggested that uh, opening bids on uh, on Twitter could open the door to other big tech companies trying to buy Twitter, like mm-hmm. Google and Facebook, for right. example, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you know, you consider that and you say, boy, is this just the beginning? Is he hoping to make something out of this and then maybe get out? What I will tell you is history shows that Musk doesn't buy established companies. He typically builds them from the ground up. Um, And so when it, when it comes to assets already on the market, he tends to talk them up and inflate their value before losing interest and then <laughs> moving on. Okay. So think about it. Remember he tweeted he kind of loves Etsy in January last year? Right. The stock was up 9%, right? Uh, th- that same day he tweeted GameStock. Remember that was all <laughs> about GameStop? Right. Their shares went up 60% as a result. But by the following month, both of those stocks had slid very substantially from those levels. And, and Musk may not want to acquire Twitter just because... Influencing a company is way more fun for someone like Musk than being responsible for it as a majority owner. You know, especially when he's already has a full schedule with Tesla and SpaceX, amongst other things. And finally, there are a bunch of questions as to how he would fund such a purchase, finance it. Uh, The purchase only represents about 20% of his net worth, but he's not that liquid. You know, Mm -hmm. most of his net worth is tied up in Tesla stock. Remember, he had to actually sell some Tesla stock just to pay that big $10 billion tax bill or whatever it (laughs) was. Um, It's possible he would sell Tesla stock to make the purchase, but... Uh, that might have a major impact on the stock and create a tax liability. Uh, the, the fear of this uh, is probably why Tesla stock uh, it was under pressure this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Musk could also take a loan using his Tesla stock as collateral, or he could find a private equity backer or a lender or something like that. But in the end, it's definitely going to be a stock worth watching these next few months. Sure, because he's he's involved one way or the other. And you just don't know how this thing's going to play out.
1: Right, wow. So let's get back to the recession talk Paul that okay. uh, we if we, we, s- must. If we yeah, i think i think it's still on people's minds it right is, yeah. so why are pundits currently so worried about a possible recession
2: well look this business cycle first of all has moved fast mm-hmm. right oh, okay yeah. and people are worried it may continue to move fast remember that 2020 recession was the deepest on record granted it was self-inflicted it mm-hmm. was a shutdown but it was also the shortest you know 5 months later they're back Yeah. right, right okay yeah. Uh, essentially the economy slowed dramatically and then sped up dramatically thanks to extraordinary monetary and fiscal stimulus. But now there are three reasons the economy could start to slow abruptly. Okay. okay. First, remember that massive fiscal policy that I was talking about that really pushed up demand in 2020 and 2021? That, that was stuff like stimulus checks and enhanced unemployment benefits and money for state and local governments and expanded child tax credits and don't forget those uh, Paycheck Protection oh, Program sure. business loans, mm-hmm. right? Almost all of those programs have expired and nothing new is taking their place. They, those programs, Kenny, added a lot to GDP growth, mm-hmm. and that source is completely dried up now. Yeah, okay? it is, yeah. Second reason. Purchasing power is being absolutely sapped by inflation because wage growth is not keeping pace with inflation. Some of the price increases will ease in the coming months as supply chain issues are resolved, but some won't, and especially those exacerbated by this Russian invasion of Ukraine. And at some point, High prices drive demand destruction. Do you know what demand destruction is? No. All it means is, hey, at some point, you you know, if gas gets to 7 bucks a uh, a gallon, Mm. you don't drive as much. Uh, It it decreases your demand for whatever that product or service is. The price gets to the point where it destructs demand. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Okay. Um, And then the third thing that we're worried about is the Fed is raising interest rates. And that's driving up short rates, not too much so far, but it may be impacting the housing market more with mortgage rates now up from 3% to 5% Mm -hmm. for a 30-year fixed mortgage. And don't forget, variable rates, remember those arms? Those are also rising, and that's going to lead to higher mortgage payments for people as well. So if you consider all those headwinds, and then you say, you combine them, Mm -hmm. okay, all at one time. Uh, It's really complicated how much, you know, all this is going to impact the the surge in demand that we've been experiencing over the last two years, okay? So we're going to really have to see, is this going to continue or not? And the good news is consumers are flush with cash from all the stimulus. And the job market is strong with, as I think I've said in the last few weeks, 11 million open jobs for 7 million, sorry, 6 million unemployed. Mm-hmm. And the labor market is tight, not because of an excessive levels of new jobs being filled. It's because there are so few available left to fill jobs that existed before COVID struck. So it's not like people are adding tons of new jobs. Mm -hmm. It's all they're doing is replacing the jobs um, that, that were vacated when COVID struck. Okay. Is there a positive side to this? Well, you know, if higher interest rates and weaker real incomes trim excess demand, that could actually ease some of the pressure on supply chains that's fueled inflation. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in, In that case, the Fed wouldn't have to raise interest rates as much, and that would reduce the risk of recession. So, you know, nothing's a done deal here. There is a route in which rates rise just enough to quell this excess inflation and demand while not plunging the economy into recession. But there are these three headwinds to economic growth right now, and they have to be dealt with carefully in order to thread this needle. And by the way, as of right now, the Wall Street Journal reports that 28% 28% of economists surveyed believe that the economy will be in recession in the next 12 to 18 months. Wow. Okay? okay. They also forecast GDP growth of about 2.6% uh, at year-end of 22 versus year-end of 21. That's down one full percentage point in just the last six months. Okay. They also predict inflation will still be at 5.5% by year-end 22 hmm. and won't fall back to below 3% until late twenty-twenty. 23. Having said all that, 63% of those economists surveyed believe the Fed will be able to rein in inflation without causing a recession. That's so-called soft landing mm-hmm. because the economy is well positioned with low unemployment, steadily rising incomes, and subdued levels of consumer debt. So my point of bringing up this whole thing, the risk of recession is real And investors need to protect their portfolios from that possible, not necessarily probable, but possible scenario at this point. Times like these, you may want to save this number. Paul's
1: toll-free number, 888-972-7526, 888-972-PLAN, or you can go online to planstrong.com, or go to Facebook, Plan Strong Investment Management. So, Paul, before we wrap up, I want to wish my wife, Mary, a happy anniversary. It's our 40th anniversary today.
2: Well, congratulations to you, guys. That's an incredible milestone. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And here I am sitting with you. I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you, should, you should get
1: home. So, happy 40th anniversary, Mary, and happy Easter, Paul, to you and to our listeners and I hope
2: everybody has a wonderful holiday weekend. It's
1: the Strong Financial Forum. Strong Investment Management is located at 980 Washington Street, Dedham, Mass 02026 and can be reached at 888-972-7526. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor, Paul Parsons representative. This radio show is for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation that any particular investor should purchase or sell any particular security. The information contained herein is obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed. Neither Commonwealth Financial Network nor your representative provides tax advice. Indexes are not managed and do not incur management fees, costs, or expenses, and cannot be invested in directly. Past performance of an index does not guarantee future results.